Hello, International Church of Prague. We're continuing our series entitled Reimage, where we're examining what it means to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus Christ. God's plan and purpose for your life and my life is to make us more and more like Him. We are to reflect His attributes, His character in every aspect of our life. And that's a beautiful plan that He has for us. But some of it is pretty difficult. And today we're looking at one of the most difficult aspects of God's attributes that we're called to reflect. We're going to examine what it means to reflect the patience of God. So how are you at waiting? Do you wrestle being impatient? Does frustration over the timing of people or circumstances lead you to anger often? Well, behind me is the clock tower here at Yerjioza Podobrad. It's an enormous clock, and I see it every single day. It's As soon as you walk out of our building and look to the left, it's right there. And it's a constant reminder of how much of my life, my energy, and my emotions are controlled to a large degree by time. There are moments when time seems to just drag on and on, like when a new set of restrictions are imposed in order to fight COVID. On the other hand, there are seasons where time just seems to fly like how quickly our grandchildren are growing up. My guess is that all of us wrestle with waiting. It's uncomfortable. It's annoying. Our culture is increasing in speed. People have become addicted to instant gratification. And perhaps a positive impact of COVID is that it has forced some people, including myself, to try to slow down, at least in some certain areas. But the truth is, waiting is hard. In fact, to be human is to battle regularly with impatience. We know it's a battle because to give in to impatience leads quickly to anger. As followers of Jesus, we are called to reflect the patience of God. We are both to wait on Him and His timing personally, and we are to reflect His patience towards others. The way that He is patient towards you and I is the patience we're supposed to share with others. Remember what I told you a few weeks ago. If we knew what God knows, we would always want what God wants. That's a truth that I learned from Pastor Rick Ferguson many years ago. But I've discovered that I needed to add something else to it because it wasn't enough to desire God's knowledge and God's plan. I had to do something more. And this is what I've added to it. What I've added is, and we would wait for God's timing. So if we knew what God knows, we would always want what God wants, and we would wait for God's timing. God often feels slow, but in fact, his timing is always perfect. He shows up at exactly the right moment for his glory and for our good. Think about it. God is patient, especially with us. Listen to some verses that remind us of God's patience towards us. 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 8, says this, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. 
God is patient. He's continually giving us time to turn our lives around, to turn to Him. And I'm so thankful for that. When I think of how patient God is with me, I'm amazed. Because the truth is, I've given Him so many reasons to give up on me. And yet His love remains. And how does God's Word describe what love is? Well, when we look at that famous chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it tells us what God's love is like and the love that we're to reflect. What's the first thing he says? He says, love is patient. Patience is incredibly important. God's patient love has a purpose. He shows forth his grace and his kindness in order to bring people to himself, to restore the relationship that they have with him, that they were created for. Romans chapter 2, after describing in chapter 1 how bad the world is getting, it goes on to say this about the patience and kindness of God. Do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. If that's God's strategy in bringing us to himself, then as we uh, are image bearers, as we're reflecting his likeness, we must show patient love towards others as well, just as Jesus has shown it towards us. So what does that look like? How are we to wait on God and then reflect God's patience outwardly towards others. Well, let me give you a few steps that I hope will be helpful. Number one, to wait on God is to trust that he is working for our good. That is so important. Isaiah 64, 4 puts it this way. In fact, this is going to be the theme of our message. From of old, no one has heard, no eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. You meet him who joyfully works righteousness, those who remember you in your ways. That's an incredible promise. And it gives us some we're going to look at from that passage. We're actually going to start at the end and work our way back towards the front of it. The first step is to remember God in all his ways. That means that we look back at what God has already done. That's what gives us confidence for today. His faithfulness in the past secures our present and our future. The second step is this. He promises to meet those who joyfully work, or is how we're putting it in this series, those who joyfully reflect his righteousness, his character. So what we're to do in step two is to engage our life in joyfully serving him. Ask God to show you how he desires you to serve him and to love others today and then joyfully obey. It's joyful because we are doing the work for God himself and not for ourselves or not for the praise of others. It is a labor of love that we're doing for God. Isn't that beautiful? That God receives the work that we do as an expression of our hearts, of our love. And when we work in that way, it is filled with joy. The third step, the one that's so hard, is to wait for his timing and his resources. God acts for those who wait for him in ways that no ear has heard or eye has seen. 
The truth is God likes to surprise us when we truly wait for him, and he does so in very good ways, ways that show his greatness, his glory, and accomplish our ultimate good, ways sometimes we would have never, ever thought of. So we're to wait for him, but that's so difficult. It's hard for all of us to wait. I want you to think, though, about why. Why does God ask us? No, actually, let me rephrase that. Why does God command us to wait for him? I think this is part of it. It is only in waiting that we come to really know him and love him for who he is and not just for what he does. You see, waiting has a way of purifying us. It is in waiting that faith proves that it is based on love and not just a self-centered pursuit of what we want. God invites us to pursue him, and he has already pursued us. The promise of the scripture is that if we seek him with all that we are, if we seek God's face, that we'll meet him, we'll come into a relationship with him through faith in Jesus Christ. So if we want to see God's face, if we really want to have a life united with him, then we need to repent of our own reliance on ourselves and be dependent completely on God. And that opens up the door to God's grace being poured out upon us. Then we're free to seek God with all that we are and to delight in Him. That's the secret. God has us wait so that we'll discover something greater, a deeper delight. That's why the psalmist says this in Psalm 37 verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. That's a powerful passage. Now, it's not saying that if we do all the right steps, we'll get what we want. He, he does say that he will give us the desires of our heart, but he does so when he becomes the delight. That means that as we delight in him, God transforms our desires to give us a hunger for that which really satisfies, that which aligns with his plan and purpose, and that which will meet the deepest longing of our heart. The second thing that we see from that passage is To wait on God, we must delight in his person, not just his blessings. So let me ask you this question. Is God himself your delight? Not just the answers to the problems that you have, not just the needs that you're facing, but God himself, is he your delight? I was reminded how important this is many years ago when I was in Indonesia on the island of Ambon, and it was a, a very difficult time. It was, there was an active fighting. It was a war zone that was happening. I was watching a group of children who had been driven out of their village during the night because of attacks. Their village had been bombed and burned. Some of them had lost parents. They'd lost loved ones. They'd lost their home. Everything that made life normal to them was gone. And they were sitting underneath the eave of a roof of a warehouse in the rain. They were all lined up along the building and they were singing a song and it was incredibly beautiful. 
Now, the song was, that they were singing was in Ambonese, a local dialect, and so I didn't have a clue what the words were. But as I listened, I recognized I know that tune. And eventually, it dawned on me that they were singing the hymn, Nearer My God to Thee. Somehow in the midst of that, they had discovered that even though they had lost everything, they still had God. When we discover that God is all we have, when we realize that, then we find out he's all we really need and he's what we desired most to begin with. Living a life about God means learning to wait for his presence, not just his blessings. And that is really hard. The truth is, I don't like to wait. We live in an instant society. Fast food, instant information, everything's on demand. The Boston Globe reported a, a study that sought to determine how long internet users were willing to wait for a page to load before abandoning it. The answer? Users began to bail after a two-second wait time for a web page to load. After five seconds, 25% of the users had left the page and went on to something else. After 10 seconds, the number rose to 50%. It's evidence that we do not like to wait. Sometimes our prayers go like this. Lord, give me patience, but do it now, please. God calls us to wait on him. And the scriptures time and time again remind us to wait on the Lord. Why is it so difficult? And why does God have us wait so often? Well, I hope this will help. Understand this, that waiting is the exercise of our faith. Faith without waiting is not faith. It is instant gratification. Or in the words of the scripture, how it puts it, it is living by sight. Waiting says, I'm not asking you to bless my plans. I want you. And I want what you have designed for my life. The problem with instant gratification, where we expect things right away, is that it causes us to forget God. In Numbers chapter 21, we discover the people of Israel had become impatient on the way to the promised land. And they began to speak out against God and against Moses. They were complaining because of the circumstances that they were in. They were complaining about what God was providing in the manna day after day. But being impatient with God is dangerous. Waiting on him says we love him more than we love his blessings. But what happens when we become impatient is we tend to forget God. Let me, let me show you from the scriptures what happened to Israel when they grew impatient with God and complained about their circumstances. Psalm 106, beginning in verse 13, says this, But they soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel. But they had a wanton craving in the wilderness and put God to the test in the desert. He gave them what they asked, but sent them a wasting disease among them. And then if we drop down to verse 21, it tells us why. They forgot God, their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, and awesome deeds by the Red Sea. Worship and waiting go together. To not wait, to complain, or to try to take control 
out of God's timing and God's work is an act of rebellion. And so we need to be very, very careful. Fourthly, to wait for God is to wait for his presence more than his answers. Isaiah 26 says this, In the path of your judgments, O Lord, we wait for you. Your name and remembrance are the desire of our soul. My soul yearns for you in the night. My spirit within me earnestly seeks you. I read that verse. I have to confess, that's not where I am so much of the time. I don't desire him and his reputation and his name more than anything else. But when I choose to stop at that moment and say, Lord, forgive me for wanting all the other things more than I want you, he draws me in closer in intimacy with him. And that's a blessing that is incredible. I want you to think about it in this way. When you think about your waiting, the attitude that we have towards it is so important. Are we waiting impatiently in traffic for the people ahead of us to move? Or is our waiting more like waiting in an airport lobby for a friend that we haven't seen for a long time? The attitude of our heart is incredibly different. When we wait for a friend, there's an anticipated joy that builds up moment by moment. And so that when, when they walk out of that gate, our hearts overflow with joy. That's what God is inviting us into. He's inviting us to have incredible intimacy with him. And he uses waiting to make that desire stronger in our hearts. Let me show you the words from the Old Testament real briefly that are used that when we put them together, it shows us a picture of what God has in mind when he allows us to go through seasons of waiting. The word most often translated as wait in the sense of waiting on the Lord in Hebrew is kova. And it means something interesting. It means to bind together. It's similar to the twisting together of cords or strands in making a rope. They're woven together. And it means to look for patiently. The second most frequently used translated is yakal, and it means to hope expectantly. The third word translated wait is damam, and it means to be dumb, to grow silent, or to be still, like we read about in the Psalms. The fourth word for waiting is haka, and it means to long for. So let's begin to, to put that together. To wait on God has three aspects, it has three goals. First of all, to become interwoven, united with this person. That's what it means to delight in him. Secondly, it means to expect his presence, to expect God to show up in your life and in your circumstances. And then thirdly, it means to listen for him to speak. But to do that, there are some requirements. The first one is being still. Psalm 37, 7 says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. What is this stillness? Is, is it simply to stop moving or is it something deeper? I believe what it is is that we need to come to the point where we quiet our minds, we slow down our bodies, and remove the distractions that draw us away from Jesus. That's what being still is. It means to rest in Him and to stop working so hard and being so anxious about our circumstances 
and trying to take control, but to simply rest in his presence. When we are still with him, it's easier then to hear him speak than if we're constantly busy going back and forth and trying to do things in our own power. We're to listen for his voice, and then we're to trust him in each and every situation, problem, and in every blessing. And then we follow that up with action. We are to obey the Spirit promptly, following him where he leads us, and turning the outcome over to him. And praying, the truth is, most of the time, we're occupied with ourselves, with our own needs, our own efforts, our own wants, and we'll work hard on how we're going to present those requests to the Lord. But in waiting upon God and being still, our first thoughts are about Him, about who He is and what He wants. We enter into His presence and we just feel the need to be quiet, to be still. We're like Isaiah when he says that he is undone. He says, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. Amongst a people of unclean lips, I am undone. When he encountered the presence of the Lord, it, it changed him. It transformed him. And it did so in a beautiful and powerful way. You see, the truth is waiting on God gives him time in his own way and his own divine power to come to us. In true waiting, the focus of our prayer moves from what I want and when I want it to what God wants and his timing. It connects us with his will for our life and for others. So let me encourage you as a practical step, before you pray, bow quietly before God just to remember who he is, to recognize him, to think about him, dwell and be still in his presence. And then begin to express your concerns and your heart out before the Lord. It'll change everything about you. God asks us to wait because it is the waiting that refines our love and it purifies our desires to want Him more than anything else. Well, the last thing I want to share with you is this. To remember God is also to wait for the timing of His greater plan. Waiting is that expression of faith in God's future grace. Waiting is faith in action. It is trusting God's timing and resources rather than our own. The best way I know to, to help this strike home is to think about the people that we see in the scripture who are the heroes of the faith and think about what defined that heroic act of their faith was waiting. Noah waited 120 years until it began to rain. Abraham waited 99 years before the promised son Isaac was born. Moses waited 40 years in the desert before the deliverance of Israel from Egypt took place. Joseph spent 13 years in prisons before he became the ruler of Egypt. And David waited until the death of Saul before he actively ruled as king, even though God had already anointed him. Now here's the important thing. In each one of those cases, I believe with all my heart that if we were to ask them today, was it worth it? They would say, absolutely, yes. God was worth the wait. And his plan was better than any plan they had on their own. In fact, we see in many of those cases, especially in Abraham, 
when they took things into his own actions and tried to accomplish God's plan in Abraham's timing, things went really, really badly. Waiting is an expression of love. Think about it. Even Jesus waited for 30 years before beginning his ministry. And he waited for the filling of the Holy Spirit in order to announce his public ministry. When we wait on the Lord, we are showing love for God, trust in his timing, and we're able to be instruments that show his patience towards others. Because waiting is what proves our faith. In fact, the word for faith and the word wait in the Hebrew language are very similar because wait can mean to trust, to hope. Waiting is hard, but it has a purpose. The waiting place is where he purifies us, allowing the impurities, the sin, the desires that are slightly out of alignment with him within us to come to the surface. The waiting place is part of the process. And when we learn to trust the Lord in the waiting place, we grow closer and closer. And he's able to do far more through us because our hearts are more fully his. Remember this, he wouldn't have you waiting if there weren't, wasn't something worth waiting for. He wouldn't refine you if he didn't know he was purifying you like gold. When we learn to wait expectantly on God, we discover that what he has written for us, his plan is far better than anything we could have dreamed of. Let me close with that verse we started with earlier from Isaiah 64. From of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. You meet him who joyfully works righteousness, those who remember you in your ways. The secret is waiting for God's presence and remembering what he has already done. The Apostle Paul quotes that verse in 1 Corinthians, only he makes one small change. He says this, But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. He changed out the word wait for love, because the truth is they're one and the same. He says here that God has great plans for you. A change is waiting for you. Good things are waiting for you when God becomes the deepest desire of our heart. When we love Him with all that we are, with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's why we wait. And God Himself is worth the wait. If you're wrestling with that, if, if we can come alongside of you, encourage you, pray with you, we would love to do that. So let me encourage you to to send Becky and I an, an email or one of the elders in the church. You're not alone. Waiting is difficult for all of us. God has given us his word. He's given us his promises and he's given us one another to help us through the waiting time. So let me encourage you to, to let us know how we can serve you during this difficult time. Also, if there are physical needs that you have, We've set up a separate account, especially for those who are finding a difficult time under COVID, either with illness or loss of work. Um, if there's a way that we can be an encouragement to you, let us know. And if you'd like to contribute to that, we'll have information that will be on the screen as well. 
Thank you so much for joining today. Our prayer is that God will show himself to you in this season in a way where you, when you look back, you'll go, you know, that was a hard, hard time. But God was worth the wait. God bless you and have a great day.